I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, I was sinking to rise no more. Oh, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give, ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live, whoever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true, merits my soul's best song. Faithful loving service to, to Him. Belongs well, love lifted me, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, love lifted me, love lifted me when nothing else could help. Love lifted me, I know when nothing else could help, love lifted me. Amen. Aren't you glad God's love lifted you one day? And still does. We welcome you this morning. We're glad that you are here for this time of celebration. We welcome all of you in the case. I don't know that we do, but if we have a first-time guest, we ask you to do us a little favor. There's a little tab on the side of your handout you should have received. Just tear it off. If you would, fill it out. Uh, drop it in the offering plate or the prayer basket as you exit today. And so that we might have a record of your visit with us. And don't forget, on the flip side of that little tab is a place for your prayer request. We take those seriously. We look at them, pray over them. And so don't forget that little tab uh, that that uh, we want to pray with you for your, for your prayer needs. Let me make two or three announcements. Today, 4.30, if you are on the church council, if you are a ministry leader, a department head, if you are a director... If you'll meet with us at 4.30 in the fellowship hall, we're going to hand out budget proposals for the new church year 2023. And uh, so it would be a good idea if you want some money in next year's budget, you might want to think about coming. Uh, And and then a couple of other things we'll share with you. It won't be a long meeting, and so uh, try to to make that if you can. Uh, Prayer team resumes their meeting October 5th. Is that right, Larry? Prayer, the prayer meeting, I'm sorry, the prayer team resumes their meeting 
October 5th, 12.30 p.m. And anybody's welcome to come. Okay? They won't mind you coming and praying with them. How, yeah, in the Smith Building, by the way. How many of you have thought about inviting somebody on that friend day, October the 2nd? All right. Mott's got her hand up. Freddie's got some. Dot, Dottie. There's a hand back there. All right. There we, there we go. There we go. Hey, listen. What if everybody brought one body? Just somebody. Just one. And so let me encourage you. you still got time. Uh, pray about it. You do have a friend, right? I mean, if, if, if you don't have a friend, pray that God will give you a friend. Uh, but, uh, just, just think about that and, and, uh, just a simple invitation with somebody. Hey, come, come visit with us in Bible study and, and worship. We are having a big day for preschool and children and, and youth on October 16th. We are having a pumpkin prayer party. And, uh, so it's gonna be a fun day for children. Uh, we'll be getting flyers out pretty soon and cards and we hope that you'll get, help us get that word out. Uh, it'll be a, a fun day for the children. On Wednesday evenings, you still got time to come. The sometimes forgotten God study that we're doing on Wednesday evenings over in the Smith building, uh, at 6.30 and that forgotten God is sometimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. And that, that's, um, that's something that we certainly need to know about. Not, that, not it, but Him. And so we welcome you to come and join us on Wednesday evening. And then don't forget the McGuire State Mission offering. Uh, we'll be doing that for a while. And basically what that is, the, the funds given toward that stay in the state of Florida to help plant new churches. Now, I know that in the frostproof area, people say, well, you got a church on every corner, and we almost do. But keep in mind, in the state of Florida, a lot of new people are coming in, and uh, in some of the, the more heavily populated areas, that, believe it or not, they need some churches planted. And so we hope you'll uh, give toward that if God tells you to. If not, please pray for those uh, area missionaries. In your handout this morning, you have a survey, all right, spiritual gift tendency survey. Hang on to that. At the end of the service today, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with those. Okay, so hang on to those tight, and uh, and I'll give you some instructions at the end of the hour. Well, let's see, I think Freddie Centerfit's going to pray for us. Brady was one of our deacons here in First Baptist. Lead us to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here and uh, just the ministries that's mentioned earlier this church as a part of. It's your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece of this local body. We pray that you just bless each one of them. And, Lord, as we, as we think about Daryl asking us just to bring a friend on that uh, October day, Father, we ought to be able to we ought to be able to do that every week. But it's good we got to push to to try to bring somebody and make a special emphasis on that before it's everlasting too late for somebody to hear about you. So bless the the service that follows. Uh, put Brother Daryl behind the cross. 
give him the words we need to hear and help him help us apply them to our lives. For it's in Christ's name we ask. Amen. You like to stand up, sing words. Sweetly, Lord, have we heard thee calling, come follow me. And we see where thy footprints falling, lead us to thee. Oh, footprints of Jesus that makes the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. If they lead through the temple holy, preaching the word. Or in homes of the poor and lowly, serving the Lord. Those footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. And then on last, when on high, He sees us, our journey done. We will rest where the steps of Jesus end at His throne. Those footprints of Jesus that makes the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. We will follow, yes, we will follow the steps of Jesus where'er they go. Purify my heart, let me be as gold. And precious silver purify my heart. Let me be as gold, pure gold, refiner's fire. My heart's one desire is to be. Choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. Purify my heart, cleanse me from within, and make me holy. Choose to be 
diviner's fire My heart's one desire Is to be holy Set apart for you, Lord I choose to be
take over. Come breathe in me, and I will rise on eagles' wings. Come breathe in me, and I will rise on heart, oh God, make it ever true, change my heart, oh God, may I be like you, change my heart, Lord, change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. it ever true change my heart oh God may I be like you you are the potter I am the clay If I were to ask you this question, what is the mission of the church you would respond with to to make disciples? 
That's what we are called to do. How do we know that? How do we know that? It's what the Bible tells us, right? There's a mandate from the Lord Jesus Christ. For example, in one verse, it's very common. We use Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. Then uh, the the eleven disciples, I'm sorry, then Jesus came near. Well, he is with the, the, the disciples and they're traveling to Galilee. Verse uh, 16 tells us. Verse 18. Then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That, that's pretty important, isn't it? All authority. Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And this is his mandate. This is the command. Go literally as you are going. That's what it says. As you are going, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all people groups. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and make disciples, baptizing them. Now, before a person can become a disciple, before baptism comes evangelism. The person has to get saved. The person has to make a commitment in his heart. Uh, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Then after that, we are to disciple those folks. And so we are called, first of all, to be a disciple ourselves. We are called to, listen, and it's not enough just to go to heaven, although that's important. We want people to go to heaven. But we want to become more like he who is taking us to heaven. And so, therefore, we are called uh, to that ministry of discipleship. Now, so what? what is a disciple? Basically, a disciple is a learner or a follower. Well, then what is discipleship? It's a process. Now, get this. It's a process. It's not an overnight sensation. There's no magic bullet. There are not a simple steps. One, two, three, and here you go. Discipleship is a process that takes Christians, those who have made a decision in their heart to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, to take them from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And, and so it is a process. Therefore, it means that we have to acquire some information. First, we have to acquire some knowledge, first of all. But that's not all. That alone does not make a person a disciple. It means we put into action that that we know, that that we have acquired. So we do, listen, we do something with what we know. We put it into practice. So first of all, I said on your outline, becoming a disciple is a process. In Matthew, if you're there in Matthew, if you'll look in chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 
24. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 24. Got it? A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. So Jesus said a disciple is one who is becoming like his teacher. Spiritual, listen, spiritual maturity takes time. It is a process. In fact, our whole spirit, uh, our whole life, we should be growing spiritually. Nobody ever comes to the point where they are spiritually mature uh, to the extent that they know everything there is to know. I have heard people say to me before, well, I don't need to really come to church and hear that because I know it already. In other words, implying that they know everything there is to know. And I say to those people, well, then you come and share with us some of what you know. Because I don't know it all. And so we are to ever be growing in our spiritual journey. It is a process. No step-by-step timetable. No list of formal steps that you take. Some people have been saved for a long, long time. And they are still less spiritually developed than others who have been saved for a short time. I know people who have been Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ for a long time. And they still think that in the Bible the epistles are the wives of the apostles. Some of you will get that after a while. So, so, so it has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. There are people who have been saved for years and years, and still you see no growth in their spiritual life. You see no fruit that they are allowing God to produce in their life. So, discipleship is a process of becoming More and more like Jesus. And that happens over time. Listen, as we apply those spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study and ministry, and we put all those things into practice, that helps us to grow and become spiritually mature. Number two, then. So our goal is spiritual maturity. If you will find the book of 1 Corinthians in your Bible, or if you have that on an app somewhere, if you'll find 1 Corinthians and chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Look what Paul identifies, listen, four categories here of the spiritual man or woman. Verse 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, But the natural man does not welcome what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. 
he is not able to know it since it is evaluated spiritually. So the first person that the Apostle Paul mentions is a natural man, in other words, a non-Christian. This is a person who does not know the Lord Jesus as Savior. And so Paul says that natural man cannot receive the things of the Holy Spirit because in his spirit he or she is dead. Paul tells us that in the book of Ephesians. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses. And so unless and until a person gets saved, invites Jesus into their life, unless and until the Holy Spirit makes their spirit alive, there is no communication with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they cannot understand the Word of God. They cannot understand the things of God. The natural man, it it just does not register because they're dead in their spirit. It's only until they trust Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit comes to indwell that person. And then that Holy Spirit makes your spirit alive. And now you can communicate with God. So Paul said there's the person who is the natural man. Notice verse 15 in that same chapter. Then he talks about the spiritual man. Verse 15, the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything. Yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. And so this is a mature Christian. This is a person who is a disciple. Listen, there is a difference between being a believer and being a disciple. In that you can know Christ as Savior and stay that way until you die. So this is the person, a spiritual person. This is a mature Christian. This is a disciple. And Paul says this person, now again, not that they're perfect, not that they know everything, but they are far enough along in their spiritual journey that they can look at and understand and understand life from the point of view of God's point of view. They begin to have the mind of Christ. So they can understand and put into practice the Word of God. So Paul says there's the natural man, the unsaved man. Can't communicate with God. Don't understand. There's the spiritual man, verse 15. He just told us. The spiritual person can evaluate everything. He gets it. He, she, they understand. Notice the third category that Paul mentions is in chapter 3, verse 1. Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I fed you milk, not solid food. So Paul says there is such a thing as a babe in Christ. In other words, this is a new Christian. This is a person who has trusted Christ as Savior And they begin to grow. That's the goal. We begin to help that person grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, they're not mature, not spiritually mature. They're they're babes in Christ. They're still on the milk. They're still on the simple things. The, The unfortunate thing is many times Christians stay on the milk. They They never advance beyond the milk. 
And so Paul says, because your baby's in Christ, I had to feed you with milk. I couldn't give you solid food because you still are in the flesh. You, you, you're, maybe you're beginning to grow some, but you're sure not mature. And, uh, and I could, and you couldn't handle the heavier stuff because you're just not becoming more like your teacher, the master. And then notice, verse four. Um, he, he said, in fact, you're still not able. In other words, I had to feed you milk and you're still on milk. You're still not able because you're still fleshly. You're in the flesh. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like ordinary people? In other words, you know better. You've had time to mature spiritually, but you still think and act like a non-Christian. And so that person has not responded to the challenge of becoming a disciple, of growing in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three. Number three. I said biblical discipleship cannot be done outside the local church. Now listen to me very carefully. You can grow some outside of being connected to a local church, but not to the point that you need to be. You remember that that list of one another's I read to you last week, and that was just a partial list. There must have been 15 or 20 one another's. Love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, pray for one another, and so on and so forth. You can't do those one another's unless and until you are connected to the body of Christ. You might to a degree, a little bit, but you can't be effective. Listen to this in 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And look in verse um, 14 and 15. Paul said, I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon. But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, which is the church of the living God. What is God's household? The church. People made up of believers in Christ. And so, listen, we have some parachurch organizations and some parachurch groups that do a wonderful job at what they're doing. But by themselves, they cannot fulfill the mission of the church. The church is God's context. The church is God's design for discipleship to occur. And so in Ephesians chapter 1... Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 1, look in verse 22. 1 Corinthians 1, 22. And he, that is Jesus, who said, all authority is given unto me, he put everything under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, as head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. So Paul calls the church the body. 
We are the body. And listen, the body has a job to do. The body follows the dictates of the head, right? And who is the head? The Lord Jesus. And so we as a body are called to carry out the dictates of our head, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so, so no, you see, no, no one person can disciple another person. No one person can do everything for that person, that baby in Christ, because everybody's a baby in Christ. When you first start out, I mean, you know, you don't know beans. You, you just don't understand some things. Uh, and, and that's natural. That's normal. You know, we, we just don't know anything. See, we have to, we, we have to learn to crawl before we can walk and run. So, so what's that? Uh, like, like in a little baby that's born and that little baby uh, is, is on milk or some similarity. Uh, and, and then finally that little baby begins to move and to turn and to crawl. Uh, and eventually to walk, and then one day to run. <gasps> Isn't that exciting? When you see those things happen, those first those first steps, uh, Doug and Cindy are smiling. Um, you, you see that little baby begin to crawl in, in those first steps and then to run? Well, see, wouldn't it be a shame if that baby stayed on milk and crawled all its life? See, so, so we're called to move beyond the milk to solid food so we can grow and become more like the master. And so Paul says that we're the body. And in fact, we need each other to grow. First Corinthians chapter 12, for example, says the body is one, one body, and yet many members Many members, and all those members are called to work together so that we might grow as disciples, but then we don't just hang on for us so that we might reproduce that in the life of somebody else. And we make disciples as we are growing and as we get some maturity, then we help somebody else mature in the faith. And so it's a matter of, listen, it's selfish on my part to say, serve me. Pray for me. Encourage me. Disciple me. Now, those are things good, but listen. But if we say those things and say, well, don't ask me to disciple another person. Don't ask me to get involved in somebody else's life. Don't ask me to help somebody else along the way in their spiritual journey. That's selfishness. Selfishness. And so, you may grow to an extent without the body of Christ, without the church. And by the way, church is not perfect, never will be, just like your biological family. We'll never be perfect. But we're called to love and serve and minister to and help each other grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we might develop into a fully devoted follower, a disciple. So that we may in turn help disciple somebody else. Now, 
So we are called to make disciples. Now, what is our strategy? In, in other words, how are we going to do that? How, how are we going to make disciples so that we might grow and so that we might help others grow? What's going to be our strategy? Strategy means what? How? How are we going to do that? Well, I, I hope you've got an outline and look at your outline. Now, remember, this is found in another place that you get once a month. There's your hint. Where is it found? Where is this found? The mission of the church. The, the monthly handout, the newsletter. Remember, I've showed it to you. It's on the back side, upper right-hand corner. We list for you the vision of First Baptist Church, the mission of First Baptist Church, and the strategy of First Baptist Church. So this comes out of that little box. So what is our strategy? Now, simple. This is pretty simple. Once a person becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, like I said, if you're going to make a disciple, that assumes that the person has trusted Christ. So we've got to lead him to Christ. And once a person becomes a believer, notice the strategy. It's connect and grow and serve. That's the process we have chosen to try to help people grow in the Lord, to help people mature in their disciple journey. What is it? Connect and grow and serve. Now, notice underneath. We want to help people connect. We do that by coming to worship. Worship, that's the key word there. Big church. So at least we want to help people begin to connect by coming to worship. That is, connect to God. How do you connect to God? Through worship. In this day and age, more than likely, people who will attend church for the first time come to the worship service first. It used to be kind of the opposite. People would come to a small group. But see, it's easier for people to hide out in big church, worship service. And so that's the first step. We want people, we want to get them into worship. We want to help them connect to God. And maybe they're not even saved yet, and so we want to help them connect to God and get saved. Maybe they're already a believer in Christ. We still want to help them connect to God and connect to others a little bit as they begin to to know a few people. Now, here's the biggie. Not only to connect, but to grow. How are we going to grow? There's lots of ways we can grow. But one of the best ways to grow is through that small group, life group, Sunday school class. Sunday school, uh, for some churches, has become a dinosaur and a relic of the past. There are some who don't give Sunday school a second thought. I believe in Sunday school. I have and will continue to do so because I think it's that important. Now, 
when I say Sunday school, and, 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 and so by the way, Sunday school still works. You know the problem? We don't work Sunday school. Um, and, and so small groups is so important. That's how we grow as we come to those small groups and we study the Word. We hear the Word. And, and, um, uh, n- notice, notice, uh, in, 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 let me move on. And so we connect, that's worship. We grow and we do that primarily. Now there's other ways to grow. And, and you have to do some of the, the growing at home on your own Bible study and prayer. We can't give you everything you need. But as we connect in those small groups, then the third thing is we want to move people to serving. Ministry teams, serving on a ministry team somewhere, using that spiritual gift that God has given to that person. So when somebody says, what are you doing? What is your church doing to help people grow? Listen, this is the strategy. It's just simple. We ask people to do these three things. Connect, worship, grow, attending Sunday school, small groups, and Bible studies, other Bible studies, and to serve, to find your spiritual gift and to put it into practice. That's how we grow. That's how we've chosen as a church uh, to do that. Uh, so we're going to connect, we're going to grow, we're going to serve. How are you going to disciple people? Connect, grow, serve. Pretty simple. Okay, right? Now, why small groups? Why is that so important? Well, it just so happens, I'm glad you asked, and I've listed five reasons. I've listed five things for you. First of all, why why small groups? Well, first of all, we come together to study the Word. Listen, did you know this is the mind of God in written form? You want to know the mind of God? There it is. Written form. And so we come together, listen, for the privilege and opportunity we have to study the Word. And as we study, as we study the Word, you you know, in, in those classes, you get a chance to ask questions. You get a chance to discuss it. Suppose there's something there. See, if you, in here, if you say, well, wait a minute, I got a question. I'm probably not going to take the time to answer you. I'll do my best, but may not. But in those small groups, in those classes, that's, they're designed so that you should, you know, engage in some discussion. And by the way, it should not be just simply lecture. That is a whole different topic for teachers, but, but it's a, it's an opportunity. To study the Word together. Listen, and then, and it's not just study the Word, but how can I apply the Word to my life? It's about application to the Word that helps us grow. If all we do is study study it for what it says, it is a history lesson, that's all. So we have to apply the Word. So we come together in small groups to study the Bible. That's a good thing, isn't it? And, and, and listen, and I appreciate those teachers who give of themselves faithfully week after week after week to prepare and, and to share with you. Now, it's not just about them sharing with you what they know, but you should be sharing some things with them in the class about what you know. 
If you're here this morning, you're an adult Bible. We, we recognized and prayed for the children and the youth workers last week, Joel did. If you're here this morning and you're an adult teacher, where are you? Well, we got two. That's not bad out of six, I guess. Anyway, we come. Thank you so much, those of you who teach. And, and by the way, it's not just a Sunday morning venture. You know, we, we have offered and still do. We have offered some quality things, studies on Wednesday evenings over the last few years. I mean, it's, it's been quality stuff, has it not? Those of you who have been. And that's a way that you grow when you come and get involved and hear and listen and then put it into practice. Uh, it, should somebody start a home group Bible study in, in their home? That, that's another way. That's okay. And that's okay, by the way. It can be an off-campus. Uh, Joel does that Monday evening Bible study for young adults. Been doing that for a while. See? So it doesn't have to be just Sunday morning. But we have offered some quality stuff for people uh, and made it available for people to get engaged in so they can grow. Number two reason. Let me share with you another reason here. Number two, it's not just about Bible study, as important as that is. It's number, number B, developing friendships and fellowships. See, you, in that circle that you attend, that group, small group that you attend, you get to know people by name. You can't know everybody, even in this group this morning, you can't know everybody in here by name and get acquainted and develop a friendship and a relationship. But in those small groups, you can. And so... We get a chance um, to, to know each other. You, you remember there was a long-running um, TV program, um, Cheers. There you go. Thank you, Matt. Couldn't think of the name of it. I, the, the, Cheers. Now it was set around a bar scene, and you know, and um, I understand that you know we we shouldn't be sitting around the bar. Uh, not the best thing for us to do. But but here here was here was the title song. It's a place where everybody knows your name. Did you know that's why people frequent bars and other places sometimes? To try to develop some friendships and relationships and to drown out the loneliness? But in that small group, people can know your name. And you can know their name. And you can develop some friendships and relationships. Isn't that neat? Number three. One of the reasons that small groups are so important is this. You can minister to and care for one another. Listen, everybody, I I don't care who they are, if they haven't been through it, there's coming a time when they're going to need somebody to minister to them. And in that small group, we can minister to one another and care for one another in that class. You know, one of the neat things that just really tickles my heart is when there's a crisis situation in somebody's life, in their family life. And when I can, I can visit that family. And somebody from their class has already been there. That just tickles my heart. Somebody's already been there to minister and to care for that person and that family. And, and so that, that's one of the benefits. Not number four, number D would be, I guess, on your 
We are called to reach others, right? We're called to make disciples. Before you can make a disciple, you've got to get that person saved. And so in your class, you, you need to be reaching unsaved and unchurched people. Let me ask you something. How many unsaved people do you have in your class? How many unchurched people are coming to your class on Sunday morning? Including mine right now? I don't know of any. We're called, listen, to reach others and um, and and to reach others that are similar to where we are in age and life experiences. And so we are called to reach others. We ought to be looking for unsaved and unchurched people and invite them to come. And then number E. Be on mission together. Our classes ought to be on mission together. We, we ought to pick out, you know, two or three, four mission projects uh, that we could do as a group, as a class. As we reach out to the community and minister in the name of Jesus. Every class ought to be doing that. Reaching out into the community. Listen, and not only as you minister to others and help others. Not only would it help others. Let me tell you what it will do. It will do something to you. It will do something to your heart. As you work together as a team. To serve and to minister. Folks I don't know about you. But those are some pretty good reasons for a small group. Study the Bible. Yes. We need to do that. But there's some underlying reasons. That makes Sunday school important. Number four, discipleship is a priority. It's a priority. In Luke chapter 9, and i got to hurry. You can read it later in Luke chapter 9. Jesus calls some people to follow him. Follow me. That's a commitment. Follow me. Listen, it's not, it's not a priority of words. Because in Luke chapter 9, those people said, okay, we'll follow you. We'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. And yet their actions showed something else. Their actions showed otherwise. And so the people, the men in this situation were really not ready. And so the issue is this. And in fact, Jesus said there in Luke chapter 9, a uh, man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom. Remember that verse? What he's saying is this. You can't plow fill looking back over your shoulder. It's called focus. Focus. I've got to be looking forward. Focusing on the Master. Focusing on the Lord Jesus. On what He's calling me to be and what He's calling me to do. 
So you've got to be looking forward with your eyes focused. And listen, there, there's a cost. There's a cost in discipleship. Uh, in, in Luke, for example, in Luke chapter 14 and verse 25, crowds were traveling with Jesus. He turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. See, the issue is authority. Sometimes it may cost relationships, but nothing, listen, deserves our commitment and our determination compared to the love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that we literally would hate family, but compared to our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, it would appear that way. That's what he's saying. So, Jesus says you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. And you follow Him. But folks, notice the reward. The reward. In, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talks about a reward. Let, let, me, let me just summarize and tell you the reward. The reward is, as you make disciples of others... You are seeing that they have that eternal life like you have eternal life. And they're going to heaven too with you. Folks, that's part of the reward. There's a reward there. See, who's going to be in heaven because of you? And so there's that reward to know that that one person, even if it's just one, that one person that we have helped Make that decision to trust Christ, and they're going to heaven because of me. But then there's the satisfaction, listen, of pleasing the Master. Pleasing the Lord Jesus. Listen, giving Him your best because He's already given His best for you. Gave His life on the cross. So there's that. There's that satisfaction to know that I've pleased my Lord. When I come to the end of this life, knowing that I've done my best to please my Lord. And to hear Him to say one day, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. Oh, don't you want to hear that? Don't, don't, don't you want to hear that? Well done, good and faithful servant. Say, where are you today on the spiritual journey? Could be somebody here and, and they're, they're the natural man, the natural woman. They're, they're unsaved. They don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. They've never started that journey. They're, they're still at the beginning. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as Savior, you can. There's a God who loves you. He'll forgive you. And when you call upon Him, turn from your sin, repent of your sin, and ask Him to forgive you, He'll do that. If you're serious with Him, He'll be serious with you. 
So maybe you're here and, and, and you're just a natural person that is not spiritual, no spirituality. You have not begun the spiritual journey. Maybe you're here today and you're a baby in Christ. Maybe you're still feeding on the milk of the Word. You, you can change that. And begin that walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or, or maybe you're here today and, and you're spiritually mature. You know, Jesus, you've been walking with Him. You've been obedient for a long time. You, you've been learning and growing. That, that's well and good. Who are you helping grow? Who are you bringing with you? Now, Father, thank you for the time together this morning. Thank you for your word that instructs us, exhorts us, moves us to be what we need to be for your sake. God, I pray that we'll be disciples. I pray this church would make disciples. May we do what you've called us to do. I pray for anybody that needs to make a decision right now. I pray the Holy Spirit would move in their life, in their heart, convict them, draw them, move them to the place they need to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be down front. If you have a need, you come. Somebody, will, I or somebody will pray with you. We'll help you as you stand. Would you stand, please? Change my heart, oh God. If you just want to come pray, whatever God says to you, do it. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true change my heart oh God may I be like you you are the potter I am the clay hold me and make me this is what I pray change my heart oh God make it ever true change my heart oh God may be like you. You are the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. This is what I God, may I 
happy like you. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God. May I be like you. You are the potter. By the way, if it kind of bothers you to come down front right after we start to dismiss, there will be a couple of folks here. If you want to come down for a special prayer, then you just come down and they'll meet you here and pray with you. Now, did everybody get one of these spiritual gifts uh, surveys? You got? Did you get one? If you did not get one, you need to get one. So if you'll hold up your hand if you didn't get one, and we'll bring you this was an insert in the handout, right? You got it? Everybody got it? Say, got it. Got it. it. All right. Here we go. Now, the message I'm going to tell you in advance I'm going to be sharing next week is on ministry. Serving. I asked this question three or four, five weeks ago when I started this series, Back to the Basics. And I asked how many of you knew what your spiritual gift is. And probably about half of you responded, and that's okay. You know, I said we're going to try to help you out, so this is what we're going to do, help you out. I want you to take this survey home, and I want you to do it this week. And I want you to bring it back next Sunday because we're going to go over some things in it. Okay? Got it? it. Now, for example, it is a 45, there are 45 statements Remember, this is not a test. You don't pass. You don't fail. This is just you and the way God has created you and, the, and what God has given to you. Okay? So, for example, number one says, I have the ability to organize ideas, resources, time, and people effectively. Now, your, your choices are right there in the block. Okay? Like number five is, this is, this is really me, highly characteristic. Number one at the bottom, this is not at all like me. I'm not an organizer. And then two, three, and four are somewhere in between, occasionally, frequently, most of the time. So you're going to read that statement, I have the ability to organize. And you're going to look at those responses, and you're going to put either a one, two, three, four, or five in the blank. Okay? So you're going to do that for each statement. Now, when you're finishing, come on, turn the page, come on over to scoring. It's really, it's really not 
Folks, it's not hard when you look at it. When it says scoring, then under administration, item one, you're going to come back over here and find the number that you put on number one. If it, if you put a five, then here in this first blank where it says item one in that box, you're going to put a five. Okay? You're going to come over to the next one. What did I put for item number nine? Go back over here. Number nine, I put a three. You're going to put a three right there. Got it? Now, when you get those filled up, all of them, you're going to total across horizontally where it says total, and you're going to put that number there. Got it? Some of you are saying, hmm? All right. So that's kind of what you're going to do. Now, you, you don't really have to plot the graph out where it says score, but underneath, down underneath there are three blank lines, one, two, and three. At least, you know, from this page here where you've totaled them up, come over here and list the gift or gifts, the top one or two that you are stronger in, okay? When you've completed it, the top one or two and list them there. Okay. Now, these following two pages kind of give you a brief description of of those gifts. I'm going to go over this with you next week. So, you got it? See there? You got it. Take this home with you. All right. Do it. Bring it back with you next Sunday. Do not throw it away. If you do not bring it filled in, I'm going to give you a zero. I know where you live. And I will get your address. Okay. Listen, and, and, and let me say this, and this is not a 100% foolproof method. This is just kind of get you started in the right direction. All right? So, let me encourage you to do that, please. Um, so glad you came today. Uh, God was here. I hope you experienced Him. Be careful. Have a great week. God bless you. Goodbye.